You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? It's amazing, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, glory to God. You know what? Uh, Now, I want to preach this morning if you'll help me. If you don't help me, I'm not going to do nothing. But if you'll help me, we'll preach together and we'll have a good time out here. What with Johnny? Now, he's a little reserved back there this morning, but I got a feeling he'll come out after a while and really worship the Lord. Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Amen. And yeah, it's just wonderful to be here. You know, it's so amazing to come to Rosa Sharon. It's really amazing to go to the churches, too. I was just kind of noticing, and I notice it every Sunday, but, you know, I thought this morning, I know Brother Tim's about to be tired when he goes through a service. Do you recall how many times he has to say, raise your hands and praise the Lord? Woo! Raise your hands and praise the Lord! Have you ever counted it? And then he'll have to say, you know, you sit out on Jesus, everybody stand. I don't know how many times he does that. And I thought this morning, you know, that guy's bound to be tired when he goes to a church service. Now, that didn't cost nothing. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) We just get these good things, and they don't cost a thing in the world. Amen. Well, it's just so wonderful to be here this morning. And it is certainly an honor to be able to come and share the good word of God this morning. I'll tell you what's been going over and over in my crawl for the last couple of days. And I don't know, but I got a feeling that we're going to make a home run this morning. I've been thinking about two things. It all has to do with praise. I've been thinking about wounded praise and I've been thinking about triumphant praise. Has anybody ever seen anybody wounded? If they're really wounded, they're dysfunctional. But have you ever seen anybody that has a triumphant praise? You can just mention Jesus and it's like setting a fire in them. (laughs) Oh, they'll just bubble out all over. It's called triumphant praise. All you got to do is just mention the name of Jesus and it sets a fire on the inside of them. So I want to talk this morning about wounded praise and then I want to talk about triumphant praise. I remember a time when this church used to have triumphant praise. Now, I'm going to let you do the question, where are we at today? All right, now look here. There's a little verse of Scripture that's taken. Now, don't you get sour on me. A little verse of Scripture that's taken from the New Testament. It's the writing of Jesus. Jesus. 
and it's Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. And look at what it says. This people draw nigh to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's a people with wounded praise. Still going through emotion. Come on, come on. I'm going to, by the help and grace of God, I want to get out where we live this morning, but I don't want you to think I'm beating nobody over head because my intention is not to do that. I want to be helpful. Now, if you're living in wounded praise, God said, I want to bring you out and lead you into triumphant praise. Jesus said, there's a group of people that draw an eye to me with their mouth, honor within their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now that's wounded people. Now then, let's look at over 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. And here's another group of people, and look who they are. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. See, this is the triumph bunch. They have a triumph praise. Two groups of people. Father, we need you this morning. Help us to rightly divide your word. Give us the ability of God to speak only that which will bring honor and glory to the lovely name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for being so good. And I'm asking you for the wisdom of God and the anointing of the Holy Ghost to break every chain and every yoke and every bondage in this place this morning. I thank you, Lord, and I love you, and I praise you, and I bless your wonderful name. Amen. First of all, I want to talk about wounded praise. Now, I don't think we have any problem dissecting and and understanding what a wounded person is. There's two kinds and two ways that people can be wounded. They can be wounded physically, maybe a broken leg, maybe a broken arm, maybe a broken rib, maybe a broken back. That means they're dysfunctional. They cannot get around well. They're wounded physically. Everybody understand that? And then there are some people that are wounded internally. They have internal hurts that have just devastated them and they can't function properly internally because there's internal hurts on the inside. Now that's what's called being wounded. Now, so we understand what a wounded person is. Now, a wounded person, a wounded person whether it's physically, emotionally, internal hurts, it hinders them from worshiping God as they ought to. Now then, look at here. The scripture that I read from Matthew chapter 15, let's look at verse 6. And let's just find out about people that are wounded. Many people are wounded because they put other things prior 
and have preeminence over God. Look here in verse 6. But he said they made the commandments of God a none effect by their traditions. And Jesus even called them hypocrites. And notice what he said in verse 8. The people draw nigh to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, and their hearts far from me. Look in verse 9. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of man. They're wounded in their worship because they have other preeminence rather than God. Anything that stands between you and heartfelt worship becomes a God. Therefore, we become wounded in our worship. Now then, if you'll permit me to, may I come back personally this morning? You know, a wounded person has to be told everything to do. Would you folks praise the Lord? Would you folks praise the Lord? Would you folks praise the Lord? Would you really praise the Lord? Now why is that? It's something wrong with our spiritual... I know, now you're going to come with those thought. Everybody don't praise God alike. Everybody's not emotional like one another. No, sure. But everybody that's got breath has some kind of emotionalism about them. If you really love him, there's going to be some kind of an affection that's going to reach out to him. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching a lot better than you shouting. Come on, somebody. If you really love him, there's going to be something that's going to flow out of you because you fell in love with somebody. Most of us think we've been in love. They call it, man, I'm in love up to my head. Well, really, it's a think love. It's a puppy love. And it's not a real true love. Real true love acts decent. And it acts right. Real true love will make you treat people respectful. Well, glory now. Father, you've got to help me. If you really love God, somebody mention that name of Jesus, and it's just like a wheel starts turning in you. Something starts running like water. There's something like a fireball that just explodes in you. Why? Because somebody has mentioned the name of Jesus. Now, if you're wounded, you're going to sit there and somebody's going to say, would you just lift your hands? Would you just mumble something? Would you squirm in your seat a little bit? Or would you just do something so somebody can know you got a little bit of life in you? Come on, somebody. But a man that loves God, he's going to lift his lightning rods and he's going to tell God, I love you with all of my heart. Look at Israel. We're following the same pattern. 
that Israel followed. They were God's chosen people. And let me tell you, buddy, they're still God's chosen people. They've wandered and strayed to every nation in the world. They've been lost because they've been wandering. But God said, they're still my chosen people. And He says, I'm going to bring them back. But look what He said in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to Israel that they might be saved. I bear you record. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Look at what it said in verse 3. They being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness. If we don't like what he says, we'll make us a known Bible. We'll just do whatever we want to do, and we'll put God's approval on it and God's stamp and said, God told me to do it. I'll tell you, it won't work, buddy. There's one Bible, there's one way, there's one truth, there's one light, and it's God's way. Come on, somebody. Look here. They've gone their own way to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Israel is still wondering. But you know the good story is they're going to be saved. That's the reason God's given us seven years of tribulation is for the nation of Israel to be regathered and brought back to God and be saved during the tribulation period. Amen? All right, now let's move a little further. Look here. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. Hundreds of years before Christ ever come, Jeremiah, under the supervision of God, penned these words. He said, This people draw nigh to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is drawn far from me. They choose to seek their direction in a new way. All right. Now look here. Why did Israel choose to go the direction they went? Look what he said in John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. Some of the chief priests believed in the Lord, but they wouldn't confess Him because they'd be cast out of the temple. They wouldn't believe on him because the Pharisees would drive them out of the synagogue. For they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. What does wounded praise do? It lifts up everything except God. Now then that's verse 42. Look what verse 43 says. For they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. Wounded praise. 
preoccupied with so many other things. Other things are more important than real sin, sheer praise, and sincere worship. They love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Now then, what's happened today in our society? 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you start verse 1, it talks about peerless times. Then it comes down to verse 5, and notice what it said. They'll have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. Where are we at today? Going through forms, having traditions, but we fail to have that real supernatural power and presence of God in our lives and in our churches today. Amen? Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Wounded worship. Wounded worship. If you prize long enough, and the praise temple, the praise band, can sing good enough, get good enough music, we might get somebody every once in a while to praise the Lord just a little bit. Kind of remind you of cheerleaders. Come on. Oh, yes, come on. Would somebody wave a banner? Would somebody lift your hand a little bit? Would somebody give God a little bit of glory? That's wounded praise. When we love Him, it's going to be a spontaneous thing on the inside of Him. It's going to go like this. Or it's going to do something like this. Or it's going to be maybe some tears come out of your eyes. Or maybe there's going to be some foot pedaling going on. Or maybe there's going to be some body emotion shaking going on. But I got a feeling, buddy, when you really touch the God that I know, it's going to be a change on the inside of you. He said, get away from them. Having a form of godliness, but denying the real true virginity of Jesus Christ. From such turn away. Oh, glory. You know the old prophet Amos, a little minor pop in the Bible, he prophesied 787 years before Christ. And he wrote a little article in the book of Amos. Amos chapter 8, verse 11 through 13 is very powerful. He said, there will be a famine in the land. Not for bread and water, but for the true hearing of the Word of God. Amos, chapter 8, and verse 11. A famine in the land, not for bread and water, but for the hearing of the true Word of God. He said they'll run from sea to sea, they'll run from north to south, and they'll seek a word and they'll not be able to find it. They'll run to and fro to seek the Word of God, and shall not find it. And then he said, In that day shall the young virgins and young men faint, because they can't find a true Word. May I submit to you this morning and tell you, ladies and gentlemen, 
all across our community, all across our nation, all among the nations of the world. People are hungry. People are dying. People are hurting. And they're searching and looking for something to bring them out. What's going to bring them out? That true Word of God. Can you think how blessed we are in America? We turn off the TV because there's too much preaching on it. We don't go to church because it's too much church going. We don't read the Bible because there's too much Bible talked about in America. I don't listen to talk shows too much because I don't have time. I used to be, when I was in the car, I'd have 600 on. You might not like old Rush and Limbaugh, but that don't make no difference. But one day there, he had one of them Muslim, Muslim guys on there. And he was cussing Christianity. And he said, you fellow in America is trying to make Christians out of all of us. And I started talking to that radio. And I said, buddy... You knew we was a Christian nation when you come over here. If you don't like it, just pack your duds and go back where you come from. I'm telling you, buddy, there's a cry that needs to go out. Jesus is still Lord, and He's the answer to every man's problems. Glory. Wherever I am, I'm not ashamed to raise my hand. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I'm saved and I'm a church of God sanctified guy and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God moves on the inside of me. Come on, somebody. Amos, the minor prophet of God, spoke these words and said, there's coming a day I'm not being derogatory, but I'll tell you what you do. Go turn your radio on. There might be a 30-minute Christian program. They'll preach 10, 11 minutes, and then they'll come on with all of their merchandise, and they'll spend about the biggest part of the program talking about their merchandise, how much money to send them, and the more money you send them, the more you'll be blessed. Now, are you following me? Now, i got sense enough to know that it takes money to carry on the work of God. The gospel is free, but it costs money to get it piped. If you lay some water lines, God gives us water out of the earth, but it takes money to dig a trench, get the PVC line and lay the water line. It costs money to do that. We all know that. But what I'm simply saying is, buddy, I'm afraid that we're getting away from the most important thing of all, and that is to birth the Word of God in somebody's heart. I'm going to tell you, buddy, don't fool yourself. When this thing really gets a hold to you, are you listening to me? Are you really listening? When this thing gets a hold to you, you won't never forget it. Yeah. I was on the bank of old rugged Mississippi River. February 1971. In a foyer of a church. 
talking to a little woman that was going to school to be a lawyer. And God turned her world around. Led her out of the profession field of being a lawyer and called her to preach the Word of God in a little church of the Nazarene. She came in that church that night. She spoke something into my heart. And she said, Brother Carlton, God wants a campground in southwest Tennessee. I never premeditated. I never thought of what I said. I said, he'll probably have one. I left that little meeting that night, come home, got in a throw rug at the end of my bed, and I stayed there three days and three nights. And when I walked out, God told me exactly how to construct this campground. I had no earthly idea exactly how it was going to be. But you know what? It was after the pattern of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the tabernacle. The tabernacle stood in the middle of the grounds, and everything faced the tabernacle. What stands in the middle of this campground? That's the old tabernacle. Glory to God. When you walk out, what do you see? You see that old open-air tabernacle. Glory to God. That was the pattern of the old covenant. Let me tell you, that thing got a hold of me. I I hung a camera around my neck. Every time I'd get in the car and I'd drive up the road and I'd stop at a park or anything, and if I even saw garbage cans, I'd take a picture of it to see if it was something that I could use out here on this campground. I never got away from that. That thing that was birthed in my heart, every day it grew. Every day it grew. There was moments of discouragement. There was moments that I didn't know whether it was going to work or not. But in spite of all of it, something got a hold to me. And I never got over it. And I'm still not over it today. Come on, somebody. When God really gets a hold of you, buddy, this yo-yo life will be over. I know that's a big mouthful. This elevator life will be over when Jehovah God really, really touches you. That don't mean that you won't have your moments. That don't mean that you won't go through discouraging times. But in the midst of all of them, there's going to be something burning on the table of your heart. And you're going to constantly be reminded of what God's done for you and where you want to go. Well, glory. Young men and young virgins is going to faint because they're going to seek for the Word and they can't find it. Did you know that? Going to be a famine. All right, let's move along. I've got a long ways to go. And you're not going to stay till I get through. How many of you would believe if I tell you this morning we've got a serious problem all around us? Well, two or three believes that. Now, for you that don't know it, darling, I'm going to tell you. We've got a serious problem in this country. It used to be in our larger cities, inner cities, but today it's out in the rural areas. People have moved out of the large cities and moved in the rural area because they thought they could get away from it. But today it's filtered everywhere. Am I right or wrong? Am I really right? Got problems everywhere. Now look at here. I'm going to show you this, and this is awful powerful. But are you ready for it? Sister Joy, can you find the book of Isaiah chapter 1? And let's look at verse 2. It kind of describes, it's described Israel. This is talking about a picture of Israel. But it's talking about a portrait of America. It's here, O heavens. Give ear, O earth. The Lord has spoken. 
I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Look here at verse 3. The ox knows his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel doesn't know, my people does not consider it. Is there anything in the world any hard than being forsaken? When someone that you love so much forsakens you. You know, I, it's not been a privilege, but it's, it's been a bad experience. I have worked with some people that had a divided divorce, and one party loved that individual so much. I'm thinking about a man and his wife, and I've taken them out here and kept them for a number, number of months, trying to heal them, trying to restore their marriage. And uh, he, didn't want this, he didn't want the marriage restored, but she did. And she loved him so much, she worshipped the ground he walked on. And she was so hurt. And I don't know that she ever got over it. Both of them remarried. But she wanted that one man that she was married to that she lived with because she loved him. There's nothing in the world that can compare with being forsaken. Is it? Am I right or wrong? Jesus, whether we know it or not, God created all of us. Whether we're whatever color we are, nationality, we are a creation of God. Does everybody believe that? And God said, I love you. And he said, I want to be your Lord. And I want you to be my people. But look here, he said, the ox knoweth his owner and the ashes master's crib. But Israel doesn't know my people does not consider. A sinful nation, people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corrupted, and they've forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone backward. Now then, look at verse 5. Are you ready for this? Now that's sad, isn't it? But let me give you something a little bit sadder than that. Look here what it says. Why will you be stricken anymore? See, you're making a choice. You're making a choice. You're choosing where you are today. You're choosing whether you're going to be a wounded praise warrior or you're going to be a triumphant warrior. You're making a choice. Right? I don't know about you, but I want to be a, I want to be a triumphant worshiper. I want to have a triumphant praise in my heart. That's the reason why when people talk about God, it's just like a springboard. Glory to God. I just can't help them saying something, doing something, moving around, kicking a leg or doing something. Glory to God. Now, are you ready for this? Now, if you're not ready for this, just bow your head and close your eyes because this is pretty powerful. Look here. Look here. Look here. The whole head is sick. Can everybody say that? The whole head's sick. Oh, look here. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faint. From the sole of your foot, even to your head, there's no soundness in you. But wounds, putrefying sores, and bruises. And they've not been closed. Neither have they been bound up. Neither mollified with ointment. 
that's wounded people. They've not quit going to church. Israel didn't quit going to the temple. But when they went, they had no praise. They had no offering to God. They had no thanksgiving. They could not out of their heart express praise and honor to God. Why? Because they were wounded and sick and bruised and had putrefying sores on the inside of them. Have you ever had a bruise? Take a little three-way salve or a little uh, uh, ointment, put on there, put your Band-Aid over it, just a day or two. That old redness, that bruise is gone and it's doing better. See, they were just open sores. They had not tried to put an ointment on them. They had not tried to bound up their wounds. He's talking about the nation Israel. Now then, where do you think we are in America today? We're following that same route. We're going in their same footsteps. We're calling wounded people. And our praise to God is wounded. Come on, somebody. Do you believe that? Now that's awful weak. I must not be preaching right. Wounded praise. Wounded. Now then, look at here. All right, now let's go a little further with that. Now did you get that? We're still on the first chapter of the book of Isaiah. Let's look over at verse 11. Now then, he's talking, he's, he's talked about the condition they were in. They were wounded, filled with putrefying sores from their head to the feet. Their whole head is sick. Can't think clearly. They're all confused. They're all so mixed up. They don't have a clear channel. They can't focus because they've got so many other things on their mind so they can't focus on God. Now, am I preaching right or am I just out in left field? What about little Rick? Is that right or wrong? Okay, now I feel better. I'll go ahead. All right, now look here. Man, this gets so strong, I don't know. A while ago, God said to Isaiah, you're sick, the whole head's sick. Somebody was telling me the other day, all the things was wrong with them. And I said, darling, did you remember that everything that you talked to me about has been right up in the head? And I said, have you ever thought man would have been better off if God had made him without a head? He said the whole head's sick. Do you wonder why that our society is so distorted, so corrupt, so polluted? It's because there's a sickness that's right up here and it's all right up here. Because everything from here down operates and functions from right up here. Is that right or wrong? I want to say something, but I don't think I've got time. You think it'd be all right? Wouldn't you be in a mess that if you go to the dinner table today and you sat down and you got old, this girl right here sitting beside you, and you pick you up a spoonful of peas and should them coming right here, they'd go to her. Then the first thing you say, what's wrong with me? I'm not feeding that woman. I'm trying to feed myself. Now, you know what? There's something right up here that gives you the God-given ability that when you sit down to the dinner table and you feel that fork or that spoon up and gives you the ability to let your elbow be in and go in your mouth. If it wasn't designed by God, orchestrated by God, you would put that 
a spoon of beans down your shirt. It all is up here, and it's all sick up here. Now, if God so designed it, if He's big enough to design a man and put these hundreds of miles of veins and arteries right in your head, hundreds of miles of them right up here, He could have designed us and built us without a head. Now, how He would have done it, I don't know. Because I don't know how He'd done all this that He'd done. <laughs> but see, that's God. See, I couldn't do it. I'd have the biggest mess out of stuff you've ever seen. You would too. But see, God's designed man. He designed him perfectly. And it works wonderful if we make God our priority. Come on, somebody. Oh, listen, I forgot where I was. Now then, he, he was talking to Isaiah about the nation of Israel, the kind of shape they were in. Now then, look here, he's telling them, you know the Israelites still go to worship, they still go to the synagogue, they still go to the temple. But what did he say? To what purpose is a multitude of your sacrifice unto me, saith the Lord? I'm full of burnt offerings and rams, and the fat of beasts. I delight not in the blood of bulls and of lambs or of goats. And when you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hands? To tread my courts. In other words, what he's really saying is, your worship is not even worth wearing out the floor to come to the temple because it's heartless. It's wounded praise. Still going through the motion, but don't have the reality of God. Now, is that right or wrong? Am I just an old man and confused and mixed up, or am I on the right line? What about it? What do you think about it, Brother Larry? You've been around it about as long as I have. Are we going in the right direction, or are we kind of getting carried away? Oh, glory. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. He's heard gray like mine, so we think like, see. Glory to God. Oh, mercy. Now, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to think what I need to say next because I've got to hurry up. I've got to get over and triumph and praise. You know what I'm going to do? Look here. He said, just away with all the stuff you've been doing. Who hath required this at your hand? To tread on my courts. Bring in no more vain oblation. No more incense. It's all abomination to me. I'm sick and tired of all that heartless, heartless worship. Come on, somebody. I thought at least a dozen people with our hands up. Oh, glory to God. I don't want wounded praise, but I want some triumphant praise. All right, now let's look at triumphant praise just a minute. I've got to quit pretty soon. Let's look at triumphant praise. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14 and 15, notice what he said. Thanks be to God, which causes us to triumph in all things in Christ. Now then. And you know what it does? When you're triumphing in Christ, you're going to have a good aroma. Look at it, verse 15. For he says, we are unto God a Savior, a sweet-smelling Savior. <laughs> oh, glory to God. If you smell bad, you're going to smell bad. But you know when you get full of God and you're not ashamed of it? 
And you get out there and everything might be haywire, but you do something like this. Oh, Jesus, I thank you. I love you and I praise you. The pores of your skin is going to open and there's going to be good aromas that's going to come out from you. The Bible speaks of that perfume. He speaks of that aroma. He speaks of that good smell. You don't have to get out there and use God's name in vain and act silly and crazy and ugly. All you got to do is say, I'm going to be a victorious praiser. I'm going to worship God in spirit and in truth. Which always, always... Now, if I don't understand that word always... That don't mean part of the time. You're going to always have a praise in your heart. And He's going to cause you to triumph in Christ. And He's going to cause you to put out a good aroma. I like to be around people that smell clean, wholesome, and handsome. I was talking to a little doctor up here. And, uh, you know, I care people everywhere. And they had a big sign out there that says, Please wash under your arms <laughs> at the doctor's office. Now, I, you, know, you know me, you know me. I said, now, why do y'all put that up there? And you know what the doctor said to me? He says, we're bulletproof, but in spite of us being bulletproof, said sometime and here to knock us down. What is it? It's an aroma. As a child of God, I want to be a triumphant worshiper and praise to our God. Come on, somebody. Mm, oh, yes. Woo! Glory. <laughs> I'm talking about triumphant praise. There's a little verse of Scripture in this 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 20. And it goes like this. It says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> you're not happy because you're going through difficulties. You're not happy because you seem like the whole world's closed in on you. You're not happy because you think nobody don't like you, nobody don't trust you, nobody want to be around you. But you know what he says? In everything, give thanks. Don't be grateful because you're going through it. But be, called, be grateful because you know what the end result's going to be. He's going to bring you through it. And when He brings you through it, you're going to smell like a rose when you come out on the other side. Come on, somebody. Amen. Mrs. Charles E. Cameron wrote a little article, and it went like this. It said, every time you go through severe trials, God opens up doors to spiritual understanding. Every time you go through a difficult trial in your life, God don't let you go through it just for the fun of it. He knows you need a spiritual lesson. And if you'll just trust Him, and if you'll just love Him and pray and seek Him and love on Him, He'll bring you through it victorious. And when you come out on the other side, you'll be much stronger in your walk with the Lord. Now, does that make sense? Oh, glory. Did you all ever hear about the old farmer? How many of you ever heard of a farmer? How many of you know anything about a farmer? Well, oh, man. Carolyn? And I believe one hand over here. I want people we know about a farmer out here. Well, you know, a long time ago. In fact, years ago, I went to a church that was out in the Cotton Patch. And it's called Happy Corner. And I done meeting out there. Now they've closed that church up and moved downtown. The reason why they've done it because all the farmers moved out. And no more farmers out in the country. So they had to move the church. Now, 
Uh, now, I got a lot more scriptures, but I just feel like Phil had to insert this. Well, there's an old farmer boy, and he's like myself, got a little age on him, and he's been around a long time. And he just believed when you go to church, you know, if God touches you, just raise your hand. If the preacher says something about Jesus going to the cross and dying from our sins, the only thing he needed to do is just rejoice and praise God. Well, they got in this new sophisticated church, and they didn't want no disturbance. They wanted everything to be pry, everything to be nice, and everything to be perfect, and everything to be pious, and nobody disturb nothing. So they formed a committee to go out to the old farmer's house and find out exactly what was going on with him because the church people were disturbed about the way he acted in church. So they sent the committee out there and they found the old farmer out there with his old mule and turning plow and he was out there plowing. They said to the old farmer, we want to know what makes you act like you do. When you go to church, how come you can't sit down and be quiet like everybody else? The old farmer said to that little committee, said, you know what? When I go to church and they start talking about my Jesus and Him dying on the cross to give me this wonderful salvation, he said, I just can't help from responding to Him and loving Him just a little bit. And he said to them, boys, I feel God right now. Will you hold these, these, plow, these mule rings and let me get out and shout a little bit? And so he just got out there on the corn patch, cotton patch, and done a little shouting, a little praising God. Now, I'm telling you, buddy, we've got a lot to praise God about. We need to have some triumphant praise. <clears throat> Which would you rather have, wounded praise or triumphant praise? Triumphant. Now, what? Triumphant. Okay, now that's wonderful. Now, some of y'all didn't do nothing, so that lets me know you don't want nothing. Now, if it's wounded, you're going to have to be encouraged to do everything you do. Somebody's going to have to tell you to do everything. Now then, you say, well, why do you go to church? Well, I've been born and reared in church. My mom and daddy carried me to church, and they carried me to this particular church, and because of that, I'm going to have to go to that particular church. Whew, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I love you. You died on Calvary that I could be delivered from my sins and I'm going to live for you while I live and when I die, I want to go home to be with you. Ooh, glory. All right, now let me take, you know, how many of y'all remember old Pastor Paul? You know, there's a mean old boy before he got saved. He was the meanest among the meanest. He killed Christian people. And the day he got saved, he was on his way to Damascus to punish Christians for their faith in God. And all of a sudden, God met him and had an encounter with the Lord. And when he got up off of that ground, he was blind for three days and God touched old Ananias in Acts chapter 9 and said, go over and pray for him. Ananias said, no, 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 no. I've heard so much about that guy, I'm scared of him. God said, he's already prayed. Go over there and pray for him. And old brother Ananias walked on and said, Brother Paul, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus started to come and pray for you. 
And when he prayed for him, scales fell from his eyes. And his eyes were open. And they carried him out there and they baptized him. Glory to God. Old Saul went down to Damascus and preached. And he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And they said, what's wrong? That's a man that's been against God. He's killed Christian people. Here he is down here preaching about him. You know what made the difference? He had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Then he come right along in Philippians 4 and verse 11. And you know what he said? He said, I don't have a thing to worry about. I've just committed my life to God. God's retrained me, reprogrammed me. Now he's reteaching me. I've been taught in the very strictness of the pharisaical religion, but now then since I met God, I'm being retaught in the spiritual life, and I'm going to serve God. Not that I speak in respect and won't, for I learned that in whatsoever state I am there and to be content. Now why can a man write that? Because he found the source of his entire life. And he said, I found everything that I need. Isn't that wonderful? You know, there's a man called King David, become, been known as a sweet psalmist of Israel, singer. And you know what David said? And I want you to get this. Now, this is in Psalms chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Look at what David said. David said, The Lord has put gladness in my heart more than in the time of increase of oil and wine. Did you get that? He said, the Lord watches over me, put me to sleep at night, and while I'm sleeping, I still have peace. And only the Lord can make me dwell in safety. Triumphant praise. Oh, glory to God. I'm telling you, but you don't have to be told to praise the Lord. woo <laughs> You don't have to be told to raise your hand and say, Jesus, I love you. I want to serve you. I want to be filled with your spirit. Would you do something for me? Would you take those two little thoughts? Am I going to be a wounded prayer warrior or am I going to be a triumphant prayer warrior? Am I going to be wounded in my walk with God? Everybody have to tell me everything to do. Or am I going to be in love with God and God's going to speak to my spirit and I'm going to feel something burning on the inside of me and I'm going to raise my hands and I'm going to love Him and I'm going to praise Him. Woo! Glory to God. I'll tell you what you do. Start living that kind of life. Are you hearing me? You won't be worried about them old bunch that used to come to you. You start living that kind of life and folks will bump up against you at Walmart and say, would you pray for me? I'm having problems. And give you a chance to lay your hands on them. And pray over them. You hadn't been too deep that you don't have forgiveness for it. There hasn't been things too bad wrong with you that he can't heal it and can't fix it. Come on, somebody. Now look here. I'm going to have to deal with this just a moment. I've got to quit. The Lord has put gladness in my heart. How many of you would like to, how many of you would like to experience gladness? How many of you would like to experience peace? How many of you would like to have peace in your heart? The Lord said, don't cost a thing. You know, I've been to third world countries, and I've been over, and we've helped support to dig wells over there. 
Some of those people in third world countries have to walk three miles and carry pitchers of waters on their head because they had no water. You dig a well out there and a whole community would just have to get water from that well because water is a very precious commodity in third world countries. <laughs> See, we don't know anything about this. I've been in third world countries and I saw little babies with their tummies all swollen up. It wasn't because they had too much beans, too much rice, but it was because of malnutrition. They didn't have anything to eat and their little tummies were swollen. And it's sad, it's heartbreaking. Here in America, we waste so much. But oh, God's been so good to us. God's been so good. So if you don't get anything else, get this. Peace and contentment doesn't come in the things you possess earthly, but it comes in condition of the heart. <laughs> you can have peace in a half a mile of hell if you'll make that commitment to God. It doesn't make a difference what you're going through. Circumstances has nothing to do about the plan of God. All we've got to do is commit our life to Him. Say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Psalms 150. All these are David's Psalms right here. In verse 1, David says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All you people. Psalms 150, verse 1. And then verse 2, he says, I'll praise the Lord in the sanctuary, and I'll praise Him outside the sanctuary. I'll praise him in church. I'll praise him outside the church. You know, Mike Coson just lost his wife. I spent a lot of time praying with Mike in his business over there. We've had some wonderful prayer meetings together. Right up into his desk office. Didn't care who was coming in. We just pray. We was in our prayer another day. Just having a beautiful time all your life. Somebody slipped in. I didn't know they even come in. No guy spoke up and says, I thought church was a place to pray and carry on. And I said, we are in church. I said, there's four or five of us here, and it only takes two people to make a church. So I want to tell you, buddy, just carry church home with you. You can bump up against anybody and have church. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. All right, now listen, I've got to close, and I know I have. And isn't that awful? Psalm 68 and verse 1, let God arise. And them devils automatically start scattering. You don't have to walk out to nobody and say, oh, back up now. I'll give my life to God. I'm not going to give that kind of life no more. No, sir. Just let God shine in you, buddy. And them devils will start running. Am I right or wrong? You got me scared. Make me think I'm a long ranger by myself. I don't care if you're five years old in the Lord or if you're 50 years old in the Lord. Do you want to be a, a wounded prayer warrior or you want to be a triumphant prayer warrior? Now some of these people I really believe, but some of you folks I'm worried about you because I'm looking at you to respond this morning. I know you're a little sour. And let me know something's wrong there. Now, am I right or wrong? Okay, I'm closing. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Psalms 34 and verse 1, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, he heard me and deliver me from all my fears. 
They looked unto him and were like, and their faces were not ashamed. I love that verse 6. It said, this poor man cried. The Lord heard him. Saved him out of all of his troubles. Isn't that wonderful? Glory to God. Poor man cried. Asked the Lord to deliver him. And the Lord saved him out of all of his troubles. He said, the angel of the Lord encamp about them in fear and delivers them. That next verse says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Fear the Lord, ye saints, for there's no want to them that fear. The young lions do like and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want to get anything. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I'll teach you to fear the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days? Keep thy tongue from evil. Refuse evil. Shun from it. Walk from it. Get away from it. And the Lord will bless you. He said the Lord's nigh to those that are brokenhearted and those that sincere seek him. He'll always come to their aid. So I want to ask you this morning, and I, ask, I say this very humbly, do you want to be a wounded praise warrior or do you want to be a triumphant praise warrior? What you want to be, George? What you want to be? You want to be a triumphant praise warrior, don't you? All right. Let's all stand, would you? You know what I'd like to do this morning? Because I love all of you, I want to be close to you for just a moment. I'd like to ask every person in this building, if you're sincere, if you're not sincere, then I don't want you close to me. But if you're really sincere and you want to be a real, honest, true, triumphant praise warrior for God, I want you to just come up here a moment. Let's all have a closing prayer together.